new ideas, thought-leading opinions and the latest ways of working. This is the School Leadership Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the School Leadership Podcast brought to you by NAHT and NAHT Edge. In this episode, we discuss the role of teaching assistants in schools and how school leaders can help to maximise their impact. Every single episode, as it comes out, just click on subscribe. It's time now for our featured guest. Rob Webster is an associate professor at the UCL Institute of Education. Rob has worked on a number of research projects focusing on the use and impact of teaching assistants, including the groundbreaking Deployment and Impact of Support Staff project and its follow-up study, The Effective Deployment of TAs Project. He's also the author of two acclaimed books on the same topic. Edge director James Bowen spoke with Rob to find out more about his work and the implications for schools. Let me start by asking you, if we go back to the the original research you did around teaching assistants, um, why was it you embarked on that particular piece of research? And if you like, what was the the issue or the problem you were, were trying to solve? I suppose the... The, the original research study, the, the DIS project, was a, uh, a brief from the, from the government at the time, this was the, the, the Labour government, to investigate the, the landscape of what support staff were doing in schools and what kind of impact they were having. So in a sense, it was, it was, it was trying to describe the situation across schools in England and Wales, um, which hitherto hadn't been really um, looked at. The, one of the, the headlines from that research was the impact that teaching assistants were having on learning, which uh, up to that point, we assumed, like most other people, that if you are giving um, children, particularly those who have uh, special needs, more adult help in one-to-one small group situations, um, that that would help advance their learning or you know, keep pace with their peers and what we were what we found was quite a variance to that that the uh the children were well there was a there was a negative impact um on on learning so it was in a sense we we, we found something that wasn't there and the work that we have done uh, subsequent to that has been about trying to address the causes of why it is TAs don't appear to have the effect on pupil outcomes, which we assumed and thought that they would. So if I go back to what you just said there, just to clarify, you're saying that the original research said not only in some cases were were teaching assistants not having a positive effect, but are you saying that actually your research suggested they were having a a negative effect on learning at times, which is quite surprising, I suppose. It is, is, yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's worse than having no effect, isn't it? Like, um... Kids are, you know, in a sense, affected negatively by the the intervention that's put in to, to help them. I suppose it's worth, I mean, just to sort of unpack that a little bit, we had about 8,000 children in this, this impact analysis, and they were in seven different year groups between year one and year 10 in uh, mainstream settings. And we looked at the amount of support that they were getting from TAs and their progress over English and maths and science over the course of school year. So because you've got seven year groups and three different subjects, you've got 21 separate analysis that you can do. And in 16 of those, we found a negative relationship. And in the, uh, the remaining ones, there was no relationship at all. So there was no, there was no circumstance where there was a positive outcome and it was 
you know, more negative than the neutral. And I mean, that in a lot of cases, those were the, the level of that impact was non-trivial. You know, it was for kids in year three in English and maths, the impact was the equivalent of about twelve months lost progress. So if we think about times, if you like, where things are going wrong, mm-hmm. um, when you've looked at schools where teacher assistants aren't having a positive impact or potentially even having a negative impact, mm-hmm. were there common problems you were seeing in terms of why things were going wrong? Yes. Um, I suppose to, to, to the same right right from the start, that um, the, the, the problems that there are and the issues that there are are not attributable to teaching assistants. This is not about decisions that they are making, choices that they're making. It's They are operating within a framework uh, within which decisions are being made about them, and it's those which are problematic. So it's more the decisions that leaders are taking about how to use the teaching assistants that was the problem, yeah. rather than the teaching assistants themselves. Yeah, okay. yeah, that, very much so. Which is, uh, which is not to blame school leaders either. You know, if we haven't investigated this, this, this area and the, the disparity was sort of broke some new ground in that, then we, we should, you know, ease up on being harsh on, on school leaders as well. But the, the research has kind of shot, shone a light on things so we can now just sort of see things in a way that we didn't see before. So in terms of things were not where things weren't going as well as they, they could be going where there were potentially some harmful, um, unintended harmful consequences. The the, the top level uh, aspect is around deployment. So as a school leader, I have my teaching assistant workforce, but how have I distributed them uh, across my school? Are they doing roles which are required, that need to be done, uh, meeting the needs of the of the, of the pupils, uh, meeting the needs of teachers as well as the school as a whole? So that's very much a sort of strategic level. Have I got the, the right people in the right places doing the right jobs? I suppose at the second level is have I prepared those people to do those jobs? So is the right induction in for those teaching assistants? Are they um, clear about the roles that we want them to do? Are we putting in training so that they are able to do it, filling any gaps? And similarly, are the teachers in our school able to deploy um, teaching assistants in their classroom? Have they, have they got the requisite sort of people management skills? Do they know how to make best use of a TA when they've got one in their classroom or maybe more than one in their classroom so that they can manage the learning, manage the lesson with these teaching assistants, very much contributing to what they need to do, not sort of just doing some additional bit of work um, in, the cor- in, in, you know, in the corner of the room. The area of, of special needs kind of comes into this and is quite large in, in across this work because TAs tend to spend a lot of time supporting kids with SCN uh, and of course you see that most clearly where you have kids who have statements or EHCPs now which very often are couched in terms of hours and um, that's kind of been the case for years. And uh, a child with a particularly high level of, of need will have a very often a one-to-one teaching assistant working with them. And there are some particular issues which we've identified around around that. First of all, that, that, that came out in the DISC project, but then subsequent to that, we've done two research studies with children in uh, primary age children and secondary age children who who have a statement or a plan consequently have a lot of um, support from teaching assistants 
And what we, we found there was uh, you, you get this sort of separation effect. The high amount of support that, the, that these children receive from TAs comes at a cost, if you like. So they have less time with the teacher. They're present in whole class teaching a lot less of the time. So um, to sort of put a number on that, in primary schools, where we did this study with 50 kids in year five, we found that they were spending the equivalent of a day a week outside of the classroom with a teaching assistant. So they are getting a fifth less teaching than everybody else over the course of a week. So that is quite a, a powerful explanatory factor in why the TA support is having a negative consequence, but also why that's not the fault of the TA. That's an organisational arrangement which uh, is having a, an unintended consequence on on learning. So it's about this sort of strategic overview, but also about how we provide for kids with SEN in our schools and the role that teaching assistants play within that. And you talk in the book about this kind of concept of, I like the, the phrase, the Velcro TA, and that being a real problem. And, and perhaps I can get you to talk a bit more about that and why, you know, because actually we will look at the EHC plan and it says this child needs 15 mm-hmm. hours one-to-one, so understandably sort of schools will say, right, we need a, a TA sat with that child for 15 hours. Mm-hmm. But you talk in the book about how that can be really quite problematic. Can you just say a bit more about this idea of a Velcro TA and why schools need to be really yeah. careful of it? I mean, let's think about where it comes from. It comes from a what looks like a relatively simple solution to what is actually quite a complex problem. You have a child who is who is um, has learning difficulties and has trouble accessing the curriculum, engaging in lessons and, and making progress. So if you give them more adult support that should um, yeah, mitigate some of those some of those effects. It's also important for including them in mainstream settings and learning. I'm not quite sure we would be in a place where we could facilitate inclusion quite the way we do without teaching assistance. And that's the that's the system that we've created for ourselves. Nobody planned it that way, it's just a system that we created. So it's a it's a it's a pragmatic, understandable response from a school's point of view about how we manage inclusion. The reasons why it's concerning, it happens at the expense of interactions with the teacher, but also interactions with peers as well. So you get this high amount of support from from the from the TA, less time with the teacher. So the teacher tends to sort of not engage with that, that those children as much as they do others because there's an understanding there's a TA there, so they're getting a lot of adult attention. But also their peers as well. So um, other children in the classroom will have almost twice as many opportunities to interact with each other than children with statements and plans because they have this sort of high amount, high intensity support. NAHT Edge is a union and professional association aimed at teachers with leadership responsibilities. Whether you're a subject coordinator, year leader, key stage leader, early years leader, SENCO or head of department, we offer full trade union protection and high quality advice. In addition, our weekly newsletter and monthly podcast keeps you up to speed with the latest developments in education. Membership of NEHT Edge costs just £13.50 a month. Find out more by visiting www.nahtedge.org.uk. 
and members of NAHT Edge and NAHT can benefit from access to a wealth of information and advice. By visiting the resources section of the NAHT Edge website, you'll be able to download useful articles covering topics such as subject improvement planning and time management. You can also now watch our new series of bite-sized CPD videos, which include advice on a range of leadership topics. Engaging content and revealing insights. In conversation with James Bowen. What sort of things can senior leaders do to increase the chances of TAs having that positive impact? I think one of the the reasons why we're so clear about leaders driving this is because they are the ones who've got their hands on the the levers of the things that would need to change the most to sort of release the potential of TAs. And I think one of the, the things that leaders really need to get a handle on is, to, is absolute clarity about what they want the TAs in their school to be doing. Mm. What, what, is it, uh, what is it TAs should be doing? What is it TAs shouldn't be doing? And reaching some kind of consensus around, around that. So we... we um, have been working with schools where that isn't just sort of set down by the leadership and it's top down, this is how it's going to be. It is arrived at through a process of collaboration and talking to the people on the shop floor, the TAs who know the job better than anybody else, and the teachers as well who they're, they're working alongside, and arriving at um, you know, across the school what is it they are currently doing and um, you know, using that sort of craft roles. But it's, it's also about, um, I talk about role and contribution. So, so we can be really clear about what TAs are contributing to the school. And when they are clear about what they are doing and, they are, and, and everybody else is clear about what they're doing and they're shared across the school, that can have a really positive impact on the TAs themselves in the way that they see themselves in the school they can see that they are valued by by everybody else, and you know, the levels of confidence and esteem go up. And could it be that those that different TAs have very different, clearly defined roles? You talk about how you might have some people who sort of specialise in pedagogical working with small group type roles, mm. other teaching assistants who don't even have a pedagogical role. Is that mm. part of the kind of leadership decision? Different roles for different people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Working through, um, I mean, in the book we talk broadly about pedagogical and non-pedagogical roles. So that will get you kind of, as a starting point, kind of sifting into, you know, where do we want people supporting learning and where do we need TAs to be perhaps doing slightly different things. One particular area which holds a lot of promise is around the delivery of intervention programmes. So TAs very often deployed to... um, a phonics program or a you know reading program so we, we talk in our work about structured interventions what we mean by that is those programs that usually commercially available programs that you that you buy in and you run in school and it comes as a package and there's some training and, and so on along alongside it and the the evidence on that is surprisingly good very very strong consistently strong and it's the clearest research that we have on the impact of TAs relates to them delivering intervention programmes. The EEF have, to date, um, reported on about 70 trials that they have funded. So in about six, seven years they've been going. 17 of those projects, um, and they cover a whole range of different things, 
17 of them have been found to be have a positive impact on learning. So you might think that's, <laughs> you know, you might hope for a bit of a better return, but hey, that's, that's research. So 17 of them are showing that if you do this, it can have a positive impact on attainment. And nine of those 17 projects are TA-led interventions. So as agents for change in the school system, that's quite powerful evidence. So there are, um, there are 10 projects that I've counted of TA-led interventions, and nine of them show a positive impact of anywhere between two and six months additional progress. From an educational research point of view, finding that thing happening over and over again consistently is quite unusual. It's telling us that there is there must be some consistent themes, some active ingredients, if you like, in doing this, which has impact. So there are things to do with the programmes themselves. They have to be good quality and they have to be delivered in the right way and training has to be put in. So there are. it doesn't just happen because you buy the programme and get a TA to deliver it. But there is certainly um, some really strong evidence that school leaders could be looking at in terms of, um, you know, that, that's a really good example, I think, of supplement, not replace. You know, TAs delivering intervention programs and helping children sort of boost their, their, their reading and, and so on. And is there a bit of a balance to be struck with intervention programs? And one of the challenges with intervention programs is often you're taking a child out of a lesson mm. somewhere else in order to have the intervention. And, and you deal with that tension in the, in the book a little bit around that tension between withdrawal and inclusion in the classroom. What are your thoughts mm. around that? Sort of it, it, it's getting the balance right. Given what I've just said about the evidence, you really shouldn't kind of run away with the idea that, oh, if, if that's the best way for TA to have impact, and let's have loads of them doing loads of interventions because kids will be on this sort of endless carousel and there'll be a consequence to that. Because You're talking in the book about it as if some pupils being withdrawn from an intervention in order to have an intervention. I yeah. guess that's when it, yeah. when it goes too far. Yeah, it's to, and, and it's gone... A, too, too out of control and probably the interventions aren't having, going to be having an impact in that. So it's about getting the balance right. If you are going to take children outside of the classroom and away from the teacher and the, and the teaching, be certain that what you're doing is going to at least compensate for that time. So, so intervention programs are done, done well, are I think a good example and a good justification for taking children outside of the classroom. You've got to sort of balance out which lessons are they, they missing out on because if you're always dragging children out of a lesson they really like, like PE or art or something, that will probably have an effect somewhere down the line. So how you timetable it is important. But consistent with this idea of supplementing and not, and not replacing, um, getting the balance right means that you know, any time spent out of the class doing something useful and constructive like that is probably going to have some knock-on effect. The chances are good that it will have a knock-on effect um, over learning across the year and those skills can be applied back inside the classroom. Because one of the dangers with these things is, is that great stuff happens outside the classroom led by TAs and you look at those interventions and kids make progress but then it's not kind of rubbing off in terms of learning inside the classroom. So making it make sense back inside the classroom is the job of teachers and TAs. And I want to bring it back to the sort of teacher level for a moment here and just think about the, those decisions that teachers make in terms of the deployment of TAs. Um, from your research, did you find um, that there were things that the teachers were doing in terms of deploying TAs that were causing problems? Are there any 
uh, answers to that? Are there sort of definite things that teachers can do in terms of using their TAs mm. most effectively? I think as, as a teacher, you have to be mindful about always putting the TAs with the same children. It comes from a you know a common sense place, you know, with these these children at this table are struggling, so they can have the extra help. But yeah, that does mean that you, as a teacher, can get separated from them. You need to know where their barriers to learning are. And you need to be. He was a subject expert, as an instructional expert, need to be with those children. So. We talk to school leaders and teachers about how teachers might organise the classroom differently. So rather than just you know putting TA with that those, that group of children again for the which whole often of the tends lesson, to be the, the lower attaining group, yeah, usually yeah. very much so. Yeah, and containing those children who have, who have special needs as well is to move the TA around the classroom a bit. So you are using the the resource, for the want of a better phrase, uh, in the shape of the TA, uh, you are using them to release you to be where you need to be. So in a primary classroom, for example, you might have, uh, have five tables, um, groups of children at each, and over the course of the week, you work your way around each table, but also so does the, the, the TA. And there might be sort of opportunities for peer work as well. So it's not just about the support you get from adults, it's the support that kids can get from other kids as well. So this is a, um, a feature of classroom management. In primary and in, in, in secondary settings, we talk to teachers about teaching triage, which is basically using the, the, the TA as your additional eyes and ears in the classroom. So when you're working with a child about on something that they're stuck with, the TA is going around the rest of the room looking for the signs of the child who is the next most stuck. You know, this child is not going to be able to move on with this task until they have had some input from the teacher. It might be that the, the, the TA's maybe their subject knowledge isn't where it, it, it kind of needs to be, and, and that's okay. They're not the instructional expert, but the TA can say to the teacher, "Well, a tap on the shoulder or something when you're finished over here." Can you go and see this child over here? They they need you now. And as as a teacher, having somebody who's able to do that, so you don't have to do that, is a great bonus to have in the classroom. So let's talk a bit then about the, the practice of the teaching assistants mm. themselves, because you you talk about that as well. Perhaps it's worth starting by saying, what does ineffective practice? Did you, when you observed ineffective yeah. practice on behalf of teaching assistants? What did that look like? Where, where were things going wrong in terms of how mm. teaching assistants were interacting with pupils? So we've done several uh, different studies having a look at the recordings and transcripts of, of what TAs do with pupils and what teachers do with pupils. So we've got a bit of a, a mark of you know, comparison. And what TAs tend to do is to focus on getting the task completed and getting it completed, completed correctly. So it's very much product product driven and let's kind of get this done before the end of the lesson get to make sure that they're right now this comes this is this again is an artifact of an absence of clarity about role if you haven't made it clear what ta should be doing they often drift to doing what they think is most helpful which could be helping children experience success or again in the absence of any really good sort of professional monitoring they feel that the way they can demonstrate their value and their contribution is by making sure children complete tasks and get them done right. Yeah, that look that might make me look good, but what's happening? Of course, what's happening in the, in that situation 
is um, from the child's point of view, you're just getting your work done. And, um, you know, there are some children who uh, yeah, have got very good at using the TA to, you know, it's also a learned helplessness thing. It's ex- yeah. yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it's yeah. a good expression of the, le- the learned helplessness thing. But you do, of course, get that as well. The more somebody is doing something for me, the you know the more I get used to it. And of course, that's a real that's a particular problem, the dependency effect. So, and of course, that matters most for kids who with, with SEN, where where you know you see on statements and, and EHCPs how independence is. Um, very often one of the things that, you know, one of the targets, this is one of the things that we want to, one of the outcomes, this is one of the things we want to work towards, children being more independent. So there is a balance to be had about how much support you get and how and in what ways that support can make you independent. So the starting point is to, um, to stop doing the kinds of things where you might get that learned helplessness, so, so not giving the answer immediately allowing more wait time as well you know we've quite good evidence that TAs will talk with pupils you, know, you can imagine a situation in a classroom where the teacher has, has asked a question to the class and the TA has turned you know, directly to the child they're supporting and said oh, what do you think about that and the, the amount of time they've had to sort of process and think about that is you know in the half seconds you know in these children very often need time for that to sort of you know, sit and think about it, and you know, and be able to respond. And you inadvertently put a, 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 an additional pressure on them to come up with something to say to the, the teaching assistant. So, some of these things are actually just not doing particular things and, and refraining and holding back. And in the work that we do, particularly with with teaching assistants, the training that we do with them, it is not just about that, but replacing some of those techniques with more helpful things. So let's talk about those, because that's critical, isn't it, in terms of, okay, what does effective teaching assistant support look like? So again, you're very clear in the book that, you know, it can have a really positive effect if done well. So Mm. what would be the features of effective teaching assistant practice that you'd be looking for? We have a, 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 a scaffolding framework which we which we use to to structure these techniques. So first and foremost, the TAs when the um, when they're working with children, they are allowing that space. So actually, it's just quiet observation and letting the child have a go at something. When they hit a bit of a problem, it's apparent they've hit a problem. Then the intervention that the TA makes first um, is a, a sort of in, is a line of encouragement or a, or a small prompt, and these are the these are these are things that I like to call the knowing what to do when you don't know what to do uh, questions, because very often the the, you know, the children have some techniques um, for for getting themselves unstuck, um, and the TH job is just really a little nudge to sort of remind them of that. That can often set a child on their way. You know, a question like, oh, when you got stuck with this yesterday, what is it you did to to help yourself out, or how might we be able, how might we plan our way through this task and start up a conversation about this, getting the child to come air their thoughts and start setting them down. They might get stuck a bit further down down the line, and we might need to offer a, some form of a clue, which will. And the key with this is making sure that you are not you you give the least amount of help first. That's a sort of the, the guiding principle for TAs is to make sure they give the least amount of help first. So you're not giving the answer, you're giving giving space, 
give them some helpful prompts and encouragement. And then if you have to offer a clue, it's a very small, it's a small bit of information, a small sh- uh, question. It's not a whopping great big clangor of a clue that just gives the game away. So it might be we just need to sort of drip feed these in with a slightly bigger clue each time. And of course, it could be something a bit more, um, a bit more tricky and the child needs something modelled for them. Now, very often the, the teacher will already have done this, but it might be, I need to see that again, or it's important. In order to kind of move the learning on, the TA might have to demonstrate this again. So imagine using a protractor. Yeah, how, 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 the, the, the teacher's demonstrated using a protractor, one of those giant wooden ones on the whiteboard, but the TA is then sort of doing a... You know, another demonstration with that, you know, in front of the child, so they can kind of see it. So it could be something about sort of manipulating the the resources in front of them. But and that, those are the kind of main sort of levels or stages that that TAs need to be thinking about and responding within, and just steering away from correcting the child or giving them the answer. And my final question, which is probably a bit unfair, but based on all <laughs> the research you've done, you, you know, all the different projects and what have you, if you had a, a school leader, a Senko, a teacher in front of you, and you could only give them one piece of advice in terms of maximising the impact of teaching mm. assistance, what would that one piece of advice be? Well, I mean, given that I've already said supplement and replace, um, I think that would, that would be, that's the sort of match. But actually, I would... I think that the thing I would I'd want school leaders and teachers to be thinking about is the bit that we haven't talked about today, and that is what our teachers are doing for the children who struggle most. Everything we've been talking about and making better use of TAs is it shouldn't be a cover for improving teachers' confidence, their knowledge for working with children with with SEN. So I would I would say to not lose sight of that, to make sure that you are doing, parallel with this work, you are doing stuff for your teachers as well. Because if we get TAs better at doing things, that's, that's great. That's all to be encouraged. There is, there is a slight danger with these things of a, a sort of dosage effect, that actually the children who, you can demonstrate that TAs are working better, and then you just give the same children more of that. And that will, you will still get a separation there. So it's it's all about balance, and it's not, and it's about involving teachers in that those conversations and responding to their needs as well around around SEM. That's all for this episode. Thank you, as always, for joining us. To make sure that you receive all the future podcasts we put out from NEHT and NEHT Edge, don't forget to click on subscribe on iTunes. It's also possible to leave us a review. It will be fantastic to hear from you. NAHT is a professional association and union for school leaders. NAHT Edge is the part of our association aimed specifically at aspirational middle leaders. To discover more about the benefits of being an NAHT Edge or NAHT member, go online to nahtedge.org.uk forward slash join or www.naht.org.uk forward slash join. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter. Our handles are at NAHT Edge and at NAHT News. For regular and useful content on the teaching profession, it has to be the School Leadership Podcast. The school Leadership Podcast. The school Leadership Podcast. The school Leadership Podcast.